will be streaming live soon. Good afternoon, everyone. And um, uh, today we're going to talk about the end of the world as we know it by Johnny Enlow. And, and, and I think uh, some of the things that we're going to study in here and, and that we're going to see are not bad things. They're just things that are here. And, and I believe that we'll come up with some pretty good ideas of how to deal with them. Um, first of all, um, he brings up some great points here. Fear and anxiety have been pumped into an already challenging circumstance by the mainstream media. Uh, more intent on overthrowing our present governmental system than seemingly anything else. It seems hard for a lot of people to understand, but growing up, um, we had John Chancellor on NBC, we had Huntley Brinkley report on ABC, and we had um, Walter uh, Cronkite on CBS. They'd come on at 6 o'clock and they'd give you a half hour news. This is what happened. And in essence, they said, this is what happened. You figure out what to do with it. Those days are long gone. And um, I would challenge you to go to YouTube and look at one of their presentations. Um, One of my favorite ones was when the... um, in pro football, they had the Heidi Bowl. If you don't know anything about that, you can look it up. But they 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 got a cut from Huntley Brinkley, and, and Chet Huntley's sitting there smoking a cigarette while he's telling you the national news. That's back at a different time frame. Let's just put it that way. Um, but they, they're not that way anymore. And today, uh, there's nobody of that category, and news, quote, news is not that way anymore because we've got a 24-hour news cycle, and it seems like everybody's got to have something on the news right away. And um, uh, in- information is instantaneous, so to speak. And um, so uh, we got to realize that there's an agenda, and you can see it on the media, uh, when they restrict what we do here and then they modify what they don't want to tell us so that it says what they want it to hear. That's the truth about the media. So um, we'll go on. The church's response has the usual suspects declaring that that now this is the end, Jesus is coming, the Antichrist is here, the great tribulation is upon us, prepare to suffer, prepare to die, you ain't seen nothing yet, the worst is on its way, the rapture is right around the corner. Now, things that need to be shaken are being shaken. The, The kingdom of God is rushing in and it's not coming into a vacuum. Uh, it's displacing and replacing. It's disruptive. It involves the demolition of what's been ruling in the connected structures that were created for this purpose. Uh, living in His kingdom is not about eternal security, but about receiving and showcasing Jesus' way of doing things uh, in society. And I love that. Uh, that's what I want to get to. Um, and going back and looking at the things that Jesus did, if, you, if you're very careful and you look at the first three chapters of the book of Mark, you'll find out that, um, and we're going to talk about that in, in, in detail next week as we bring scriptural points and bring them close together here as we close down on this and give some ideas about living in digital Babylon. Um, our church growth has been arrested, brought on by trying to leave the planet before we showcase the kingdom. I love that. That's a great choice, and I, I, I bear witness with it. Our The church hasn't been able to do what she's called to do because we're trying to leave the planet instead of of 
delivering on God's kingdom here on earth. Uh, the church has always been trying to make the most advanced end time scenarios fit the Bible uh, into their day. Uh, beware of that policy. You know, uh, everything that happens doesn't mean that the end is right around the corner. Of course, the end is closer than it was when we started. Jesus said, "A thousand years is as a day." If you look at that, we're just a little bit two days maybe past the 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 whole deal where Jesus was born. We're just two days past that. Um, no man, including Jesus, knows anything other than the general season of his return. The fathers held that to himself. Jesus himself doesn't know it. Uh, his instruction for us was not to speculate until I come, but to occupy until I come. That's in Luke 19.13. Occupy until I come. Now, within that framework, we can deduce from the Scriptures that not properly occupying uh, the, the world as it is now, not properly occupying could lead to a delay in His coming. Uh, if we can hasten His coming, then it's logical that we can delay His coming too. So maybe we're not doing the things that we should be doing. Okay? Uh, we need to hang on to Jesus until certain things have been accomplished on earth. It's not about a date. It's about a finished assignment. Uh, I teach uh, at our Fresh Wind ministry about um, uh, recovering alcoholics and, and, uh, uh, and addicts and so forth. And one of the things that we've talked about that we've been talking about this week is um, what is it that God's called you to do? What is it that you're supposed to do while you're here? And, um, and, and, and investigating that, that's what we're going to find out here. This is about a finished assignment. Uh, you can go into John chapter 17 and see that Jesus said, um, I have glorified you on earth because I finished what you told me to do. And since we want to glorify God, it's a great idea if we finish what we're told to do. We can't do that if we don't know what we're told to do. So um, we'll proceed from there. Habakkuk and Isaiah were two prophets who were clearest on what had to happen first. Uh, we're accelerating towards Habakkuk 2.14 and Isaiah 60. Now, this is not the end of the world. It's just the end of the world as we know it. The things that, that we grew up in are not going to be around anymore. The, the way that we did things are just not there anymore. Um, the, the changes that, that we've had to experience and that there, there's an entire generation of kids that are now alive that didn't know anything but the iPhone. They can't imagine driving down the road and having to pull off at an interchange and getting a handful of quarters to make phone calls. They just, that just, that, that's not on their radar screen, nor should it be on their radar screen, because it's something that happened 35, 40 years ago. Maybe even as soon as 20 or 30 years ago. But the point to be made is, these changes, we need to understand how to deal with them. Um, Generally, we can prepare to endure and outlast a storm by knowing how strong it is and how long it will last. That's what we're trying to do is understand this storm. Most storms, when processed in the middle of the storm itself, tend to feel like it will last forever. The best time to prepare for a storm is not while you're in the storm. You want to do that before the storm comes so that you at least know where your batteries are, know where the, the, the bottled water is, know where all these things are. 
Do I have gas for the generator? Do I have gas for the chainsaw? All these other things that you need to do, you need to do that before the storm hits. Um, the global pandemic of the virus and the accompanying fears related to the economy are the exact same type of storm we're talking about in Mark 4.35-41. That's the famous story of Jesus in the back of the boat. Uh, he's asleep during the storm. But we have to remember that in verse 35 it starts out Jesus saying, let us cross over to the other side. Okay? We're going to cross over to the other side. He didn't say we're going we're to go to the other side, but halfway across the lake we're going to crash and burn in a storm. He didn't say that. And, um, and I love what I love. This is, this is so key as we're in this. And I, this is for me as well. It's so key that we're in this, and I think Bill Johnson described it the best about Jesus asleep in the back of the boat. He was asleep in the back of the boat because there's no storms in the world that he lives in. There's no storms in the worlds that he lives in. It doesn't bother him. Um, in Mark, uh, as Jesus and his disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee, a great storm suddenly came across them, and the, the Amplified Bible describes it as a storm of hurricane rep- uh, proportions, and um, it can be related to what we're uncovering about the deep state, the things that the the things that are going on in the government that we don't know about, the things that we've discussed, the things that we've talked about, uh, the things that we know that the government's doing that they're not supposed to be doing. These things are part of this storm. Um, it's important to know that although Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat, he'd never been in a storm he couldn't handle. And even though Jesus had said, we are crossing over, the disciples didn't get it. Uh, they, they panicked. Uh, their response to this was, hey, just wanted to let you know we're all going to die. We're going to drown. It's just, you know, I know you're asleep and tired, but we just wanted to let you know. We're going to die. And um, uh, while that was true, before COVID-19, the related storm is still true. In other words, when this storm hit with COVID-19 and the election problem and the change in government direction and all these things hit, uh, we should not be surprised that they happen. And if we get caught off guard, we don't need to panic and go to God and tell Him, hey, look, everything's going to hell in a handbasket and we can't stop it. You think he might know that? I think so. He's asleep in the back because there's no storms in his world. Now, um, in the middle of the storm, though, it is not the best time to be processing your response to the storm. In the storm, you should already be anchored by the last directive words of Jesus as the one who sleeps in and has authority over the stone. What was the last words we heard from Jesus? Well, we're going to go over to the other side. Now, you may not know anything about the storm, but in the middle of the storm, you can hang on to that verse. And it's got to be tough to do. These guys were professional fishermen that made their lives on that lake. They know what storms are like. Um, one of my favorite questions uh, was asked in teaches, well, what could they have done different than what they're doing? They're bailing as far as they can. Uh, they're rowing as hard as they can. There's no motor. They can't start the motor. Well, what are they supposed to do? And that's the question that it seems like we're in now. We can't bail any faster. 
We can't row any harder. The wind is against us. What do we do now? That's the question. And keep that in mind about uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Uh, the king wants us to be received. And, and first of all, let me say this. God will fight for us as never before. And as we finally unpack our prematurely packed rapture bags and set up shop as salt and light in all seven of those cultural mountains, what we need to do is to be able to set up shop, like he said, and find out how does God want us to deal in the area that you're in. I know uh, where I'm at, finding out from the Lord, okay, I can't change national politics. I can pray for them, and I have a responsibility to pray for the president. I don't agree with much that he's doing. Um, Same thing with government. But I have a responsibility, according to the Spirit of God, to pray for them. Am I doing that? Okay. Um, What is it that I'm supposed to be doing in the short term? Well, that's what I start looking for. And seeking the kingdom of God is seeking God. The king and his relationship, the king and his kingdom come together so you have a personal you and Jesus relationship. That relationship is enough to help you through the storm. Now, the king wants us to be received, not just a ticket to heaven. Now, get this. He wants us to be received not just as a ticket to heaven, but he was his better. He has better ways of doing things. His kingdom is to be infused into every, every area of culture. Now, when people hear that, they say, oh, well, you're trying to set up a theocracy. You're trying to to dominate. No, no, we're not trying to do that at all. And uh, and one of the ways that I see this happening, if I go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, I see about the spiritual gifts, the the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and so forth. And 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 I I I go to to in fact one of the areas that the church has done very poorly in is dealing with homosexual uh, the, the homosexual issues, uh, gay rights, and so forth and so on. Um, it's important that you understand that genie's not going back in the bottle. Uh, same way with abortion. That genie's not going back in the bottle. We're, it's here to stay. How do we deal with it? What's the right response to it? Um, um, Enloe makes a great comment. He says, it's not our responsibility to shove our morality down other people's throat when they don't want it. So, how are we going to deal with this? I I suggest to you that if you go to Matthew chapter 11 and you look, Jesus spoke about two specific cities. He spoke about Chorazin and He spoke about Capernaum. Chorazin, He said, boy, if the things that had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, uh, they'd still be with you. know, they'd, They'd have repented in sackcloth and ashes. But then He turns to Capernaum and He says this, he said, if the miracles that had been done in you had been done in Sodom, they'd still be here today. Now, I go back and ask, what kind of miracles were going on in, in, in Capernaum? Well, he was healing people, raising people from the dead, uh, casting out demons and stuff. So what would happen if we began to, to search God the, with, with the spiritual gifts and begin to ask God, uh, for prophetic words for people, and 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 we begin to ask God for um, uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and and so uh, the gay guy comes in the church, or you run into uh, a gay, maybe it's a gay rights supporter. I don't know what what it is, but.
but a situation where you, you, you're in contact, in conversation with someone, and you're praying, Lord, how can I help this person? Not, hey, you're wrong, you're homosexual, all the blah, blah, blah. But how can I help this person? All of a sudden you get a vision that just comes out of nowhere and you see this, this woman sitting in a wheelchair. And you look at this person and say, hey, listen, let me ask you a question. I, you know, sometimes the Lord speaks to me. I just got a vision of, of a woman in a wheelchair. Does that mean anything to you? Because if it does, and the guy goes, well, yeah, my mom just had cancer. They just thought, well, look, can we pray for her? Sure. Or, or you, the guy comes up and you see a, uh, something and said, hey, I, I just saw a picture of a foot in a cast. Does that mean anything? To, well, yeah, I just, I, my foot, I've had trouble with my foot. Well, let's pray for it. And, and what we do is we begin to reach out as people, not who, not because they're homosexual, not because you're heterosexual. You're just reaching out. God wants to bless this guy. And we have scriptural evidence. If we do that, we'll have an impact. I think that's one of the ways that we get through these things, is we just have to set aside the old 80s, 90s, 70s ways of looking at politics and start looking at people and saying, Lord, how can I interject what you want done here? Not how do I take over the world, or not how do I run a, a religious theocracy. It's how do I help people. Now, um, we must shift from how do I get saved to how shall we then live. In other words, we need to, to, to broaden our scope. Of course we want to get people saved, but just getting people saved hasn't had much impact on society. We need to get people saved and then find out how do we live within that society that can help people? Um, he makes a great comment. The present storm is designed to catapult us, not to destroy us. We go on from there. The ten spies thought it was important to report on the astronomical challenges they faced when they entered into the land. They outlined all the problems that there were in the land. And in contrast, Caleb thought it was best to report only on the milk and honey of Canaan. Totally minimized the giants in the land except to say of them, they will be bread for us. So he didn't, he didn't deny that they were there. He just said, look, God's going to help us whip them. So instead of complaining about some of these things, let's say, okay, Lord, how do we deal with them? Show me how to deal with them, piece by piece. Uh, the giants in our land represent the swamp, the deep state, open borders, uh, all of the other things, organized sex trafficking, you want to have an impact on that? Go and look. Now you find out in Deuteronomy 28, the curse of the law, you'll find out sex trafficking is in there as well. Um, now, all these mass mandates and, and vaccine mandates and, and um, uh, critical race theory and all of that, how do we deal with them? How do we deal with them in such a way that we don't, turn our backs on our beliefs, and yet we present God in a way that other people can... We're not going to make everybody happy. Jesus certainly didn't do that. So we just need to understand, if we can present what we want, what we know God can do in a way that will honor Him, we'll have success in this. Um, all the organizations presently occupy the promised land of the top seven mountains. That's media, economy, government, education family, arts and entertainment, the Hollywood and religion, uh, all of those right now are being run uh, by progressives and people that, that don't stand at all for what God stands for. We need to have inroads into that. 
And we need to do it in such a way that we honor God and, and, and bring about the peace that He wants and the life-changing events that we know can happen in people's lives. Um, we will not enter the promised land territory by studying and trying to dismantle the evil that occupies culture. Now listen to this. This is great stuff. We will not enter the promised land and territory by studying and trying to dismantle the evil that's there. We're not going to get that done. We don't have the political horsepower to do that. Okay? We will enter the promised land of the seven mountains of cities and nations by studying and reflecting who God is in each mountain. Uh, when you're seeing properly and you've got 2020 vision, everyone is in proper perspective. You, the enemy, and God. So we want to we want to put things in perspective of how does the God how does God see this? Okay? And we want to talk briefly about uh, invading Babylon. How do we do that? Um, we've been given authority. We can see that in Genesis 1, 28 and 29, Matthew 28, 18, to set people free from torments and disease and to destroy the works of darkness. 1 John 3, 8 tells us that. <clears throat> it is the authority to bring up there, down here. That's the way John Ortberg uh Describe that. He said, our job is to bring up there, down here. Okay? Um, we've got dual citizenship. We have the responsibility of a, whole, of a royal priest where we take the people's needs and bring them to God. And we also have the responsibility as an ambassador where we bring the things from God and bring them down to the earth. It's dual citizenship. Royalty is my identity. Servanthood is my assignment. God is my life source. Okay? Uh, the kingdom is like leaven. Uh, we will see this effect as we're worked into the world systems. Uh, as we do these things, the kingdom of God expands. Uh, we get involved in these seven mountains. We just simply ask God for guidance. How do we deal with these things? And He'll give us the ideas that we need. He always has ideas that we need that that'll make begin to make an impact. And it's like leaven. It will. It will. Those great ideas will sift throughout the, the seven mountains. Uh, we need to embrace your calling with faithfulness and thankfulness. Now, uh, prophetic ministry and, and, and ministering in this situation, we go back to the situation where the, the, we may read a homosexual guy or somebody that we don't, uh, we don't uh, agree with, somebody that's on the other side of the fence. And we need to really realize that prophetic ministry is like a gold mine. Okay. There's a lot of dirt in a gold mine. It's easy to find dirt in a gold mine. The, the, the hard work is finding the gold. Our work of prophetic ministry in bringing God's uh, uh, good news to people is to find the gold in their lives, not tell them about the dirt. Everybody knows the dirt in your own life. Excuse me. Now, prophetic ministry is like this gold mine. With every gold mine you find dirt, our goal is to find the gold. Um, covert ministry means hiding place. God hides Himself. God hides Himself in things that we don't see Him as He's there. We see that in, in Isaiah 45. And we must create change. Romans 12.2 talks to us about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transform means metamorphosis. When you become born again, it's a planned event. It's going to happen. 
And we can go back and see in Philippians 1.6 that we can have confidence that God will finish what He starts. So we just need to press on and not give up when things don't go the way we want or at the first political setback we get, we give up. Um, the goal is the transformation of society by invading the seven mountains to serve. What if we actually begin to try to help teach? That's one of the things that Bill Johnson talks about in Redding, California, that they did. What if instead of going into the schools and trying to change people and get people saved, what if we went in and just simply try to help them be better at what they're doing? What if we actually went in and helped people be better teachers? Uh, what if Maybe we don't agree with everything we do, but what if we went in and began to pray and bring the Holy Spirit together to deal with some of these issues that are coming up? Like uh, we just had the Virginia election. Things exploded there about... Um, pardon me. Things exploded there concerning... Um, education, uh, the, the parents' involvement in education, that kind of blew up in their face. Uh, so, to go on, we want to confront the impossibilities of life through provisions of the cross. What did Jesus provide us on the cross? Well, certainly salvation, but He also provided us with a way to deal with life on a day-to-day -day basis with His authority and power. That's what He said. Through the gifts of the Spirit, we pray and contact the Lord. Show us what You want us to do today. Bring us in contact with the people that You want me in with. And when you come in, maybe it's at work, maybe it's at different places, when I come in contact with things that I don't agree with or don't know about, show me what to do. Psalm 32, 8 and 9 tells us that He will guide you along your way. And so you want to be open to that. You don't want to be like the horse that gets hit with the bit and bridle. Um, now, too many people who experience the Holy Spirit forfeit their desires for training and education in order to do the Lord's work. Maybe the Lord's called you to be in government. Maybe the Lord's called you to be in one of these mountains in education, whatever. People have had the wrong idea that, well, I need to get rid of this, quote, secular work so that I can work in full-time ministry. Um, you're in full-time ministry. I had professional. I worked in professional lawn care for 43 years, and I was in ministry. And I could tell you story after story about miracles that happened while I was dealing with customers out in the yard because the Lord. I was open to the Lord. Um, the desire for healing is good, but it not, must not replace our commission to disciple people. Okay, uh, we are commanded to occupy until He comes. And we would never... Here's the other thing concerning uh, education. Uh, we would never send our kids to a restaurant where 10% of the people die from the food they ate. And yet we do it daily in the educational system where the things are much more. We're not involved. Well, now the people in Virginia decided they were going to get involved and they didn't want their kids eating at a restaurant where people die 10% of the time. And so they're going to have an impact on what's being taught. Now that's going to benefit the society as a whole because if we get the schools uh, turned around and begin them to teach uh, writing, math, and so forth and so on and get off of all the some of the gobbledygook that they're teaching, that's going to benefit this country as a whole. Those are the kind of things that we're talking about being able to do to overturn uh, the downward slide that we see the country headed in. 
Uh, the answer is not to move the mountains to escape. It's to preserve the family unit. The answer is to train and invade, driven by our personal relationship with God. We begin to train people, and then in our job, we don't, we don't force our way in. We just simply ask God, how can we be leavened? Give me an idea that I can give to someone so it can be leavened in their life and we can have an impact on their life. Um, we have unparalleled access to stability and power that others do not have. Uh, Matthew 10.1 says the Lord gave us power over demons and authorities to heal. Uh, we need to begin to believe God for those things to begin to happen. And through the gifts of the Spirit, we'll know when to implement these things. Um, uh, we can go to Mark 4.11, and I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to close with, uh, today with uh, a scripture from Psalms 37. I want to take you to Psalm 37, verses 34. And this is great in the... in the. Uh, uh, I'm going to be reading it from the New American Standard Bible, but it's great in the, the Passion Translation. Uh, Psalm 37, 34. I want to leave you with this thought. Wait for the Lord and keep His way, and He will exalt you to inherit the land when the wicked are eliminated, you will see it. That promise is just as good. And you can read that in the New Living Translation and others and find out uh, it, that it, how powerful this is. Let's leave it with that idea today. Uh, when the, for We wait for the Lord. He will exalt us. And we will get to see the wicked eliminated from the land. Uh, thank you for your time. Let me go ahead and pray today. Father, we thank You so much for today. Lord, I pray that any confusion that my simple words have, have caused, uh, that get, they, they get eliminated, Father. And I pray that Your Word would have power and that the, what You wanted to get accomplished would get accomplished. I thank You for Your time, Father. Thank You for this in Jesus' name. Thanks. Look forward to seeing you next time. Pureza do meu ser.